Hi, everybody. This is Kim Bean, and you're listening to All Things Wolf and Wild. As with all of us, I've been learning to survive a different normal, and I'm trying to understand what it would mean to get back to the old normal. And is that really what we want? I mean, let's put that into perspective, I guess. The old normal is the reason we are where we are today, right? I mean, we're here trying to live through a pandemic, never seen in our lifetime. And I fear without change, this is only uh, going to continue to be the norm. It's only going to get worse. I've been trying to rationalize, which is always dangerous for me, but how do we continue to miss the point? How do we continue to overlook the obvious? How do we continue to disregard or turn a blind eye to what we know is a problem that can be harmful, dangerous, and obviously deadly? (laughs) Now, I know we do this a lot in our lives. We all do. Sometimes we just don't want to know because we can't face the issue. Now, I'm no different than most, but I'm forcing myself to look at these issues so I can look within Look at myself, look at my choices and either be okay with them or find a way to change them. Because if I look at this honestly, I am part of the problem, right? More importantly, what I want to talk about today is affecting every single one of us. In one manner or another, we are all being affected, right? We're all being affected. So... Whether you're a meat eater or not, these are the subjects that are, in fact, affecting you, okay? So the things I want to discuss today, there are three different things, and that's factory farming, wet markets, and the animal trade. All of them have so much in common. I mean, they're all unethical. They're all inhumane. They all cause disease, and honestly, they don't belong in any country. So I want to start out talking about factory farming real quick. Factory farming is where we Americans get the vast majority of our meat. Literally, around 99% overall, we get from factory farms. And if you've ever driven by a factory farm or smelled one, you will notice that these animals are packed in together like sardines in a can. They're not living in some grassy meadows, like so many commercials we see on TV. And it's like, look, look at the happy cow, look at the happy milk cows. No, this is not the case with factory farming. These conditions are unsanitary. They live, eat, sleep in their own feces and urine. Chicken and other poultry, as well as pigs, are housed tightly together in big sheds, living and breathing in the ammonia from the mass amounts of waste they live in. Let's add on the stress these conditions cause that drop their immunity. Boom. We've just created a Petri dish for disease. I'm not trying to sound melodramatic. But for me, I have to see and discuss. I have to to look at these conditions as if I'm the one that has to live in them. Because these are sentient beings. They're live. They're living creatures. 
And it's disgusting how they are being treated and how they are living. Okay? I mean, we nurture and treat our lawns better than we treat our food sources. So let's, like, let, let, let's just take a look at this. this is, these are facts, not feelings, all right? So ready. Mad cow disease or bovine spongiform encephalopathy. I can't say that word to save my life, but I think I did okay. This comes from eating basically cattle to cattle. <clears throat> I know it's kind of crazy, but humans can't get mad cow disease, but we can get uh, Crutchfeld-Jacob disease, which is caused by eating cows with mad cow disease. And it's ugly. It's the neurological aspect, a little kooky. It's basically mad cow disease for humans. Again, that's that comes from an animal to, uh, animals to humans. The avian flu or the bird flu starts in poultry, spreads to humans who come in contact with an infected animal. This can happen through multiple means, right? Chicken bought in the store, eggs, so on. You don't have to be the farmer, okay? And guess what? Yep, these poultry come from these farms, these big mass production farms, these big, huge factory farms that, that, that cram these animals together without much, if, if any, sunlight. They're beak to beak, breathing into their lungs ammonia created from their own waste that they live in. The disease mutates. You got H5N1, H7N9, and there's all these other groovy little names. There are more than a dozen strains of this deadly disease, and health officials worry that it's going to mutate, again, to a strain that will transfer more easily from person to person, thus causing a global outbreak, a pandemic. Do you see where I'm going? Got the swine flu, H1N1, right? We all know about that. Pigs are the host. Pigs are very closely related to us, amazingly enough. They can catch the avian flu as well as the human flu. They're packed in. It mutates. It starts in, you guessed it, hog farms. Transmits to the farmer or anybody else that comes in contact, veterinarians, so on and so forth. Spreads from person to person. I think it was 2009, 2010, the World Health Organization declared a pandemic because so many people got sick from the swine flu, H1N1. They've got a vaccine for it. Let's not assume we're going to get that vaccine for everything. I believe, um, ah, we just had, I know, a, a recent case of the avian flu, avian flu in a, in a uh, turkey farm, a factory turkey farm back in South Carolina just a couple weeks ago, I believe. I mean, it's, it's, they're just, it's everywhere, right? It's everywhere. And it all starts from factory farming, disgusting conditions. So here's the problem we have in other countries, mainly in China and Asian countries where you'll find what they call wet markets. This is a public marketplace where you can find numerous live animals that are considered livestock or for consumption, <clears throat> all grouped together, right? And the live animals are usually stacked in cages alongside already dead animals and killed on site when purchased by a consumer, right? So let's, let's just look at this. Animals like 
chickens and pigs and snakes and dogs and civets and fish and other aquatics, bats, porcupines, baby crocodiles, foxes, badgers, rats, donkeys, hedgehogs, monkeys, turtles, ah, and so many other animals. Hmm. There are so many issues with this that I honestly don't know where to begin, right? The first is pretty obvious. The unsanitary conditions alone are enough, but to understand that these animals, some of which most of us consider pets or companions, are slaughtered for consumption. Uh, anyway, these animals are stacked in cages. Again, living in their own waste and dropping that waste on the cages below them. These cages, and let's not forget the waste from these animals, are in the vicinity, in the same areas, as where they skin, slaughter, and prepare the animal for the customer right there on the spot. So the customer is sitting there watching all of this happen, and it's happening all in one area. I mean, in some cases, they burn these animals alive, bats, dogs. So just those um, is, is enough. The unsanitary conditions, enough. But put it all together. So we have live animals next to dead animals and waste from these animals next to the slaughter table, which is also next to a preparing to take home table. I'm assuming that's not all done on one table. Let's hope. And all of that is tightly packed together in cubicles lined up in a narrow passageways right in the streets. Again, this is a cesspool. It's a petri dish for disease on a mass scale, right? Ugh. You've got SARS, which originated from these wet markets. They believe came from bats. We are living our new norm, right? COVID-19. It's also believed to have come from bats. It's a worldwide pandemic, which has infected more than, just checked this right before I started the podcast, today, which will change tomorrow, 2.8 million people worldwide. These stats are from those that were tested, so we can obviously assume many more. It's killed more than 197,000 people worldwide, with more than 50,000 people dying in the U.S. alone in less than two months. This, this number increases by the minute, right? This number increases by the minute. I mean, literally, I just checked the numbers again before I, before I began the podcast. So besides the disturbing nature, the unhealthy, unsanitary conditions of these markets, there's more. Yeah, wait, there's more. The wild animal trade. It also has a place in history, both past and present history, when it comes to infectious diseases, right? I mean, these, these wet markets are, are well known for these practices, but I don't want you to think this is the only place. The wild animal trade is a global issue, and it's huge. So let's chat about that a little bit. The wildlife trade is a multi-billion dollar business. 
and it's taking a mass toll on our wildlife globally. So perspective. One in five, okay, one in five wildlife species is at risk for the trade. One in five. So one out of every five wild animals are at risk of being trapped, captured, sold, killed, whatever it is, for the trade. Exotic animals are sold for food, medicine, as well as pets, right? Because of the wildlife trade, almost 9,000 animals are facing extinction. Grasp that. 9,000 animals, almost 9,000 animals are going to go extinct if we do not stop this disgusting trade. SARS, MERS, COVID-19, they're all linked to human consumption of wild animals. AIDS is to believe to uh, have come from a primate. These, I, I guess what I'm, I'm trying to say is that if you look at this, every one of these practices affects you and I. I, I. I can't stop saying that, right? So when we come back to these wet markets, um, the Chinese, met, they, they, they were closed. The Chinese wet markets were temporarily closed in January because of COVID-19, you know, with the outbreak. And it started there and so on and so forth. But amazingly enough, they've since reopened. And the open air slaughter markets continue to do business as usual as the pandemic continues to ravage um, people throughout the world. And amazingly enough, from the place where it starts, just going on five months, well, since the beginning of the year, but not since it started in China, but we'll just put this into perspective. They closed in January, reopened again, I believe, um, beginning of March or in March. But on March 17th, China's Ministry of Finance increased the tax rebate on exported products. In other words, he's like, hey, bring us some stuff, such as rhino horns, turtles, primate meat, civic musk. Most of this is used for medicinal purses, uh, purposes, which, you know, much of this is just unsubstantiated hubbub. Yet... Um, Millions of animals are trapped and fished and killed yearly for human desires, right? Perspective again. A hundred million sharks are killed globally every year, mainly for their fins, used in shark fin soup, which is a symbol of status in Chinese culture. A hundred million. A hundred million. Look at the exotic animal trade. There are approximately 4,000 tigers left in the wild. But there are an estimated five to 10,000 held in captivity in the United States alone. That's absolutely disturbing. The United States is one of the biggest contributors to the animal trade. How is that even conceivable? 
just from the animal perspective, but think about what's happening to us today and why. You know, with, with what we're binge-watching, because we're all home, right? With what we're, we're, we're binge-watching, the Tiger King. And again, we missed the point. We seem to be more captivated by the train wreck of these people. I mean, they're a train wreck. But we miss the point. We miss the fact that these animals are abused. They're held in cages. They're killed all for some sick, grandiose need and money. Recognize that. These guys are producing, they are breeding these animals to have babies so that they can then let you take a picture with them for money. And then when these animals get too big and too rambunctious, what do they do with them? We're missing the point. We're too busy watching a blonde toothless, mullet-wearing freak show. That's what we're into, other than the obvious. This is an animal trade problem. We need, we need to look at this for what it is. We need to shut down the wildlife trade. And we need to work on rewilding our ecosystems. We need to stop exploiting animals. We need to we need to leave wildlife in the wild. Think about it. What we do to our wildlife, we're doing to ourselves. We are killing ourselves. Let that sink in for a second. We as humans in this time of COVID pandemic are told is distance from one another, right? We're told to isolate from everybody else, especially if we're infected with the disease. Yet look at the conditions of these animals. The very place these diseases begin, they're crammed together, infecting their lungs, passing it along. So we as humans create the disease and then we pay the price, which is a pretty deadly price. Yet we'll go on as if we could do nothing about it. Listen, I'm not saying stop eating meat. That is not what this podcast is about. So please, don't make that the discussion. <laughs> don't, don't send me messages condemning me for that because that's not the point of this. I believe in supporting the local farmers. They, they, you know, a lot of these guys can com, uh, uh, create a completely different atmosphere for these animals. And it's worth looking into. It's simple. You can find a lot of them online. Check out these farms before purchasing from them. Make sure there are really some good places out there that treat these animals well. They do have open space. They do live on grasses. They're not just bulked up for six months so that they can be slaughtered. We cannot continue to foster a system that creates diseases. We cannot continue to turn a blind eye to unethical practices on any continent. <laughs> we cannot allow a trade that is barbaric, inhumane, and is causing extinction of our wildlife. 
So what is the correlation between factory farming, wet markets, and the wildlife trade? They all exploit animals. They all abuse animals. They all produce zoonotic diseases, and they all need to cease existence. There are numerous zoonotic diseases that we can get from, glo from, from, from these global practices. What I've talked about today, briefly today, I should say, are just some of what we deal with all the time. And we continue to deal with it as if it's just our norm. But these things keep mutating, and we keep ignoring the underlying cause of these diseases. Really, it is up to us to raise an eyebrow, to ask questions, to demand answers, and to change the way we treat animals. Factory farming, wet markets, and the wildlife trade are not only dangerous and potentially deadly for the illnesses they create, but they are horribly inhumane and unethical. I truly believe that if we had to see the process from birth to death of these animals, we would change how we eat. We would change how we see animals. And we would change how we treat animals. And my hope, my hope is that we would begin to care more, do more, and feel more for all animals. I believe more and more this is the case for me. This involves everyone, just, not, not just meat eaters or animal lovers or people running these trades. We are all being affected. So you and I need to get involved for the sake of our health and safety. We can't leave this up to others. We have to get involved. Thanks for listening today. I just want us as humans to be cognizant of our environment, of our wildlife, of each other. And to understand more about the wildlife trade, I want you to go online and search combating the wildlife trade. Check out traffic, T-R-A-F-F-I-C.com. To understand more about the wet markets and what's going on in China and other Asian countries, all you have to do <laughs> is look up wet market and you will be enlightened in a very disturbing way. But I think it's important to enlighten yourself to what is happening and where this is coming from and where it's stemming from because it's not just China. It's not just wet markets. It's happening from our own backyards too with factory farming. So recognize that. I want you to contact your senators and congressmen and tell them, tell them, get involved. Stop the wildlife trade. Get involved. Make these markets go away because this is a worldwide issue now. This is not just centered in China or other Asian countries. This is a worldwide issue. We have a hand in it. Let's do something with that. Contact and support your local farmers. Stop supporting factory farming of animals. It can only benefit you and I both. Stay healthy, stay safe, my friends, and always stay wild. I want to thank our sponsors, NRS, RAFs, and SKB Cases. I uh, just had a live stream on Facebook from Mark. 
He's out distancing himself nicely on the raft today, soaking up some much-needed and deserved sunlight on the clear waters of some unspoken river in Montana. You know, NRS rafts, they're notorious for their durability and ruggedness. You know, they have rafts to fit your lifestyle, you know, whether you're running up some, some nice white water, uh, getting in some fly fishing, or just taking a sweet run down the river. RNS rafts has what you're looking for. Check them out, nrs.com. The other thing I noticed in this envious little video for Mark was the shot of his camera sitting um, right in the front of the boat, right on top of the uh, heavy-duty SKB waterproof cases. Yep, they rock. I use them for my podcast and camera equipment, and uh, I wouldn't just trust any case to keep my equipment safe. They're built to be rugged, heavy-duty, and to last a lifetime. And by the way, they're military-approved. Check out the uh, SKB cases, skbcases.com.